0: In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Lent is amongst us now. It's time to be gloomy and doomy. It's time to look all sad and mopey. It's time to give up chocolate for more raw vegetables. It's time to stop using words that we shouldn't use around our kids. It's time maybe to lose a little weight and to realize that we need some change. Even the famous Hollywood star Mark Wahlberg has said, it's not necessarily Lent, but 40 days of change. He's come up with his own plan. So how are you doing with Lent? I really have mixed emotions about this season. Because really, we've made it all about us. Pastor, I'm giving up this. I'm not going to do that. I've given up giving up, quite frankly. And I think you should as well. Lent is not a 40-day season of simply repenting of our sins, meditating on the Word of God, and giving to the poor. That's why it was started, by the way, to pray more, to hear God's Word more, and to take care of the poor. Not about you and me and what we can give up. Lent is a time where we take 40 days and we focus on what we should be doing all the time. This is, not a sense, like spring training. Baseball is around the corner, people will be gathering in Arizona and Florida, the teams will be coming out, pitchers and catchers will be reporting soon, but it's not as if spring training and the pitchers and catchers have been sitting in the Bahamas for the last several months. They've been batting and batting and throwing and throwing and pitching and pitching and lifting weights and doing all of these other things. And spring training is just a time where all of that focuses in on what they're getting ready to do for the season. Lent is the same thing. This isn't even a time where we need to feel really sad and gloomy. Good Friday as well is not a funeral for Jesus. Good Friday is a victorious day. It is the day of Jesus' glory where he punches death in the mouth and puts death to death and where he stomps the head of Satan and says to him, you will no longer affect and infect my people eternally. It's not a time for us to come in in the midst of darkness all wearing black And feeling sad, and maybe putting some charcoal under our eyes. It is a time where Jesus slams everything that diseases you, sin, and he puts it to death. That's why when we end Good Friday this year, we're going to sing a rather triumphant song about what Christ has done for you. I don't remember it, so you're just going to have to come. But today, I want you to focus on one little word. The English language is full of so many powerful words. Think about it. Fierce, ambitious, determined, accomplished, unstoppable, successful. You might hear these words about someone or something and you might say, wow, They've really got their act together. They're really powerful. They are a force to contend with. But I would dare say there is one more really powerful word, one massively powerful word that is more powerful than all of these words combined. It's actually one of the shortest words in our language. This one word can crumble the strongest people, the most dedicated relationships, and determinations, it can crumble even the most powerful words that you come up with. Well, tell us, Pastor, we're waiting. That word is simply if. Think about it. You are fierce if. You are ambitious if. You are determined if. Accomplished if. You are unstoppable if. All of a sudden, those powerful words have some sort of condition. Think about it in terms of you and your life. You say you love me. Well, if you love me, then do this or change that or say that. If you want to succeed, then do this. If you want to be successful, then do that. If you want to be more determined, then do this. It is the big if then what does this have to do with us in lent today today is that time where we focus of who we are in the sight of each other and of god people broken by sin relationships with each other have crumbled and in many ways we have our we have become a people who really think that we are god but this is not a one year one time of year event it should remind us of what we and I are practicing each and every day in our sins of thoughts, words, and deeds. And today you heard Jesus, who is in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights without food and water. He is at his weakest, and the devil comes along to tempt Jesus. But here's something I want you to think about the devil he never has any new tricks. Never. Also, he is not new on the scene, is he? He's prowled around the earth since the beginning, as we heard in Genesis, and his plan is always the same. To get you and me to think that we know better than Lord Jesus. To get us to think that we are God, and God is not. To plant the seeds of if and doubts, And we make them so appealing, don't we? The devil tries to be compassionate. Look, if you really want it, if it really makes you feel good, don't you think God is being a little cruel? Denying what makes you comfortable and happy and full of pleasure. That's all the devil has, though. I want you to think about the devil and his temptations Like one of those flashbangs when the SWAT team goes into the house to take out somebody that is holding somebody hostage or whatever else it is. The SWAT team enters the house busting down the door and they take this little thing, I don't know what it looks like, called a flashbang and they chuck it in ahead of them. And there is a loud bang, there is a huge light that shocks the people inside that they don't know where they are at. But it's a simple bang with light. It doesn't last. It jars the people. It takes them off course. But then soon they realize where they're at again. That's what the devil does with temptation. These things are flashbangs. They jar us. They take us down the wrong path where we sit there and realize that we've gone down the path of chaos again. But they are not constantly banging and lighting and shocking us for several, several hours or days. The devil has no new tricks. He's always on the scene. He's proud around the earth since the beginning. And look, we are always going to be tempted. And what does the devil use? He uses the word if. If, 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 if. If the devil tempted, though, like the world thinks that he tempts us, you wouldn't follow him if the devil looked like some nasty horned slobbering fearful demon you and i would sit there and say i don't want to be around that i'm not going to listen to that i'm not going to do what that thing says the devil is sneaky he's not a slobbering dark horned demon that you look at and say that's obviously the devil He's out there mocking God. What did he tempt Jesus with today? He didn't come up with these things on his own. The devil uses the Holy Bible, the scriptures, and twists them to tempt Jesus. This is not the devil coming from a mile away where you can see him. Those nasty looking images of the devil and demons cause us the tr- trouble, trouble, but the devil is one who you don't even know is working until you have fallen into temptation that's unless you are jesus the devil clearly thinks that now that jesus has taken on human flesh and blood he's walking on the earth as a body that maybe finally he will have some sort of power taken for himself against jesus it's strange, isn't it? Besides walking on the sea to get, a, get around the people, Jesus never really uses his divine power, his miraculous ability for himself. He's always doing things for others. He's only thinking of you and others. What would it mean if he listened to the devil and made stones into bread? You remember that song "We Are the World" from the eighties? Willie Nelson even sings of the temptation of Jesus, but he he sings it in the wrong way. God has shown us by turning stones into bread that we can live together as one. How's that going for us? It's interesting. The devil twists the word of god takes everything out of context and jesus simply believes the word and goes on with life you shall not put the lord your god to the test he's saying look devil i am the lord god don't put me to the test do you notice how jesus denies the devil this isn't like 10 rounds in the boxing ring with the devil and jesus The devil doesn't even know how to tempt Jesus apart from the Bible. Think about that for a moment. You have the Bible. You have the holy, sacred scriptures, the voice of God in your midst. And how often are we praying listening and meditating on it the devil knows himself that he can't come up with anything so he even sees the power and authority of the word of god and all he does is take it and twist it with jesus do you see how jesus denies the devil today he almost is rolling his eyes at the devil it is so undramatic there's no extended discourse there's no elevated sermon He gives the devil three lines while the Sermon on the Mount takes up pages. Jesus is not worried about this at all. And today is not about eight steps for you to overcome temptation. Today is about Jesus fulfilling this all for you. We have a priest who is tempted in every sort of manner as we are yet without sin. Jesus is not tempted by cheap tricks and gimmicks, which the devil offers. He does not need to convince anyone, the devil or even you or me, that he is God who is worth worshiping and loving because he is God and he is who is worth worshiping and loving Be very wary of a church that tries to repackage Jesus into something more. Somebody who's more palatable to today's modern man. God does not need us to make a good name for him. His name is good enough, whether you think it is or not. He does not need your help. He is the one who is helping you. Speak the truth of God's word and that will do for him. In the the end, Jesus is tempted to obey perfectly his father's will. But never to say, now you try and do it. But to say, I have fulfilled all things perfectly and I give you the credit before my father. The devil will always use the word if in order to show us the power to focus on ourselves, to make us feel like God. Jesus is tempted in every way as we are, but without sin. He goes back to his father who sent him and he does this for you because you can't and neither can I. Sorry to deflate the way you look at yourself. You get all of his perfection and righteousness. And today reassures us of that. Think about all that Jesus does for you today in the service. There are no ifs attached to this today. There is no if in absolution. If you are truly sorry, if you truly think what you've done has really messed you up and your family and your relationships with each other, If you truly, really passionately feel this in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I'll forgive you. No, there's not even a thing where we stop and say, hey, you, are you really, really sorry? That's between you and God. There are no ifs in baptism. No ifs if you have made a decision if you realize what's going on, if you realize you're a sinner in need of this, then we will baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is no if you really want it in baptism. God doesn't need your response. God doesn't need some sort of half-hearted response from you. He simply says, go and do it. And there are no ifs in the supper. Take and eat if you want it. Take and drink if you want it. Take and eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood. Given and shed for you. There are no ifs today. We don't even say, this is the word of the Lord, if you think it's true. He doesn't care what you think. He wants to speak with you he speaks reality into being he speaks faith and forgiveness into you he does not deal with ifs that's the devil's language if is not the language of jesus dying on the cross if is not the language of jesus rising from the dead If is not the language of salvation, but of temptation. Jesus, though, gives you unconditional promises to you, and I think we are the ones who think it depends on our keeping up the bargain. I'm here today, God, giving the offering, God. I'm gonna pray more these 40 days, God. I'm gonna give up chocolate, God. Why, why would anybody do that? There are no ifs in any of this. He has it covered for you. It's all his. He cannot receive anything from you. In fact, he tells us, don't do these things for me, but love and take care of your neighbor who is in need of your mercy, your love that I have given to you. If anything, whoops, I said it, (laughs) Lent should be about us taking care of each other. But not just 40 days. It's the spring training for how we should live every day. He cannot receive anything from you or from the devil because the devil has nothing to give to him. He cannot receive anything from you except your sins, your guilt, and your shame. And he wants them all. You can't have them. He wants to take them from you. His forgiveness, his love, his mercy, his death and resurrection are the most powerful words that you could ever hear and receive. In the end, the gospel of God is the most powerful word in the world because it makes our biggest enemies of sin, death, and the devil crumble. One little word can destroy the devil we just sang, and it does for you. One little word dies on the cross for salvation, for the world, and it is finished. One little word forgives, renews, and strengthens you no matter where you are in life, and he always will. No matter what we think of it or how we try to redefine it, or how much we are focused on ourselves. This is the place where there are no ifs, but there are always promises. And in the midst all of the words of the world, by the power of the Holy Spirit, let us respond with what he has first spoken to us. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.